Hi, this is Dan Skinkis, and this is I Have a Story to Tell. Welcome to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkis, Season 1, Episode 3. Hi, I'm glad you could join me once again today for a story that I have to tell, but I'd like to preface it. The story itself is uh, bogged down in Mossy Bog, Louisiana. And uh, I'd like to preface this story to bring a lot of depth to it because I like to go to the scriptures and talk about the boat ride across the Galilee. You know, the boat ride, if you've ever been in ministry, the boat ride comes in all shapes and all kinds of uh, situations that God puts you in uh, to make you more mature within him and trust him. So I was thinking about God never told, Jesus never told his disciples, well, you know, you could get in the boat, but here's here's what's going to happen. The storm's going to come up. The wind's going to blow. You're going to have fear like you've never had fear before in your life. Uh, I just want to tell you that before you get, no, he didn't say that. He said, get in the boat. We're going to go on the other side. You know, that's what he told me a few times. Just get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. I said, Lord, where's the other side? Don't worry about the other side. I will be with you, and I won't forsake you, and I'll be with you constantly. I want to go back to where this story started. It started in Las Vegas, Nevada. I had a 73 Ford pickup truck, and I was pulling a 34-foot fifth wheel, And we were heading for our second tour across the nation, speaking in the prisons, missions, and different um, facilities, churches, crossing interdenominational lines. Um, So as a result of it, uh, we had our transmission fixed. The old Ford was sort of, from the first tour, was sort of getting a little tired, and I felt that maybe we better get a check. So they rebuilt the transmission. And this time, we decided we are going to have money before we leave. In the last tour, 20 churches, every church had to bless us so we could keep moving, because God told us that, don't take a thing. And so on our second tour, we figured, no, this time we're going to have money. We're going to take 2,500 bucks and get that in our pockets, so if anything happens, we are covered. And uh, so, you know, God's plans, he looks at us and smiles. Yeah, to get to $2,500. In uh, Yuma, Arizona, the transmission failed miserably. We have this schedule of churches, 25 churches, that we have to be there on time. There was week, a week lapse between each church. So we're in Yuma, Arizona, and we call around for transmission shops, and not one of them could fix it for less than fifteen, two thousand. That's all we had. And we're thinking, Lord, we, we need this money uh, to serve you. So we, my wife calls a transmission shop. It was bikers, the biker guys. I'm not saying anything about bikers, but... We get there, and they said uh, they would do it for half price. Half price, $600, and fix the transmission. We thought, thank you, Lord, what a blessing. 
You know, sometimes it looks so blessed. It's like there's no doubt about it. And so we took the truck in. They worked on the transmission, and the day, within two days, they had it done, and we're ready to go. I go to the shop, and we take it for a test ride, and it won't shift in a second. It's stuck in low. And I'm looking at this biker guy, and I'm saying, it's not shifting. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's getting an attitude right away. I'm like, well, this guy was really a nice guy. Now, what's going on? And I said, uh, so he, he, I'll never forget his words. He, we go around the block, and he says to me, you know what the problem is? You people won't cooperate. And I'm like, cooperate? It's not shifting. So we go back to the shop. And I said, so what are you going to do? He said, nothing. That's it. You, you gave me, that's it. That's all I'm going to do. He said, man, you got to get us on the road. Are you kidding me? He said, uh, and he gets violent to me and my wife. And we're, we're standing in the parking lot. She calls the cops. The cops come. It, be, it becomes this big thing. In the meantime, my truck's in the shop, and I think they're trying to fix it. Well, anyway, what they're doing is taking the transmission out in pieces and throwing it in the bed of the truck. And when the cop leaves, he says, there's your transmission. And I looked, and it's in the back of the truck. To make a long story short, I had to get a U-Haul truck, pull the board back to Las Vegas, our fifth wheels in Yuma, and then get it to the shop that originally rebuilt it. They rebuild it after two, three days. We get back down, and we're so close to the next engagement. And uh, anyway, our $2,500 is gone. We have no money at all. So we're deciding, should we just cancel this? we got to cancel this. And the Lord says, no, don't cancel it. You'll be all right. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. We have no money. And that next church has to be within two or three days. Uh, so we start heading towards the commitment. And halfway there, there's a noise. So we pull into this uh, driveway of this big mall. And I can't... I'm, I'm looking, it's not in the transmission. Now it's in the fifth wheel. And I'm like, I said, that's it. That's it. I'm not doing this. Lord, I'm, I'm not doing it. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like whining in it. I'm out of control. And I hear this voice. No, I, no, I do hear this voice. It's not, it says, uh, Get in the truck, turn the key, and go. It's like, it's like I'm a little kid. I'm brought to this angry person, to this little kid. Okay, Lord, turn the key. Halfway down five miles, the noise stops. The rear noise stops. We make it to the church. 
I mean, it's the most awesome thing. The, the next service is awesome. These people are loving us and and supplying all our needs for the next thing. And and uh, and now now we're we're going. We make our commitments. We make our commitments. And for some unknown reason, how God plans it and not how I planned it was the fact that we would think we're going to a big church, man. We're going to get blessed, and God's going to give us that $2,500 to be ahead with. And we get this love offering that just was almost enough to buy gas. But it would buy gas to the next church. It's a little church, 20 people. 20 people. We think, we're done, Lord. We're done. And these 20 people would give us enough offerings more than we needed to get to the next stop. And that's how it went. And I said all of this to say this. Mossy Bog, Louisiana. We ran out of money. No money. We have 10 more commitments. There's a big truck stop, and we're in line with all the big dogs, and we're in line... And these trucks are moving in and out, and and we don't know what to do. We just start praying. Lord, I, I don't know what to do. We, we got all these commitments. You sent us all the way out here. You blessed us. I understand all of that, but here we are. Here we are. Two days go by. Now we're starting to run out of food. It's like two days. And so we call a few people, but they're like, it was a time, I don't remember the economy, they were sort of broke, they couldn't help us out, friends of ours, nothing was happening. Third day, now we got three days to get to the, uh, to the next church. And um, the phone rings, cell phone. And it's this dear saint from Las Vegas that hasn't, that after our homeless ministry stopped in Vegas, uh, she and her husband, who, by the way, took all the money out of their pocket to supply all the needs for these homeless people, and they would cook it for five, I'd say ten years. We lost track of each other. Six months later, we're in Mossy Bogs. This dear saint calls. She said, hey, where are you guys? So you're not going to believe this. We're in Mossy Bugs, Louisiana. She says, what are you doing there? We're on the road. We're, but we're, we're broke. We're broke. She said, now I know. And I'm like, what? Now I know. She said, for the last six months, God wouldn't let me give my tithe to the church that I'm going to. She said, I saved all this tithe money up, and now I know why I have it. So I'm going to send it to you. Telegram, money, moneygram, $2,500. Lord, you're so faithful, you know? Who is this man? That's what they said. Who? Who is this? Why does it work this way? All the questions. All the questions. 
we made it all the way to Florida and came back across the country with no commitments and went back to work up in the mountains. Yeah, I used to work at Truckee six months. They let us go six months, as I mentioned before, getting ready for the next tour. And so, you know, I heard speculation and a lot of preaching about the boat ride, but until you take the boat ride, you don't know how that boat ride feels. But the blessings that had come from each and every engagement that we've gone to, went to, was just outstanding. I've never been loved so much by strangers who didn't know one thing about me, cared about, you could see it. Those Jesus people across the country, uh, what a caring group of people. You're listening to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. We'll be right back after these brief messages. We are coming out of a season in which people have been asking a lot of important questions. Who am I? What is going on? What's my purpose in life? Does any of it make a difference? If you've been asking any of those questions or have been wondering about what does it mean to be a Christian, to be a Presbyterian, or to be a covenant partner or member of this congregation, you're invited and encouraged to come to a meeting in which we will be handling all of those questions Sunday, April 25th, after service in the Fellowship Hall. Fellowship Hall is the room facing Musser Street that is not the Family Life Center. So again, if you're interested in answering any of those questions or becoming part of this congregation, we invite and encourage you to come April 25th after service in the Fellowship Hall. If you have questions or would like more information, please give the office a call at 882-1032, area code 775-882-1032. Welcome back to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. In this whole thing, we end up in the Juvenile Detention Center in Mesa, Arizona. And this thing wasn't like I was used to in the Las Vegas Detention Centers where we went all the time. It was absolutely gorgeous. Every room had a TV. They had an Olympic-sized swimming pool, tennis courts. It was laid out. This particular one in Mesa, Arizona was like four tiers, and it, in the movies when you see the sing-sing thing and the doors open and they close, these kids were incarcerated with the older guys in this thing. So our job was to talk about Alcoholics Anonymous, and every, time, every once in a while we could we'd put a little Jesus to it because it was sort of the thing we had to do. So they had four or five um, groups of guys coming down and they would all come in in the file in a file and then they would uh, listen to what we have to say and uh, so about the third time around 
we are speaking and wondering to ourselves, wow, this is tough. This is like the third or fourth time we're doing this, and it's hard to do it again. Do it again. The next row of 25, 50 guys would come in. We would present our program. About the last, the last fourth group came down, and there's this little, this little short guy with all these huge guys, you know, and he's walking with them like this. And uh, we give our presentation, you know, and, and they're not responding. They're sort of like, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. And as this, they're filing back out, and it's our last presentation, this little guy yells out, I know why you were came here, because I prayed, and God sent you here to tell me the truth about what's wrong with me. He says, and I prayed for days to find out what was wrong with me and why I'm here, and God revealed that to me through you guys. And all these other guys are looking at this kid like, Get out, I'm getting out of his way because there's something going on here spiritually. There's a power that this kid unleashed all this information and didn't care. And there was some big heavy-duty-looking guys and that's that thing. So, you know, the boat ride has a lot of positives to it as you're on that boat ride. Um, and reflecting on um, part of that tour was... Uh, Back to Yuma, Arizona, there was a young man, I'll never forget the detention center. It was, uh, we got there at night, and you had to check in. It took you forever to check in and go through the searches and all of that to get to the guys. And uh, as I'm coming in, there's a choir it was so weird. There's a choir, and I hear this voice saying, I am free, I am free. And with all the sincerity, I'm listening to this voice. This guy is really, he's so, you know, and I'm wondering, who is that guy? What's going on here? So as we get in there, I'll never forget the fluorescent lights were, like, so bright. And these guys had orange jumpsuits on. And there was like 50 of them uh, filing in. Now, when you break the line, when you break those lines in that whole uh, in that whole structure, you could be shot. If you run out of that line, they don't know what's going on, and they are on the defense. So we're walking in there, and we hear this voice. Uh, screaming at the top of his lungs. I remember. I remember you. And he's crying, and he breaks ranks and starts running towards us, and these guards are, like, com coming after him. And But the guards don't accost him. They just hold him back. And we're within six feet of each other's. And he's saying, I remember 
you came in a detention center in Las Vegas five years ago. And you told me that if I wouldn't stop drinking and find Jesus in my life, I, could, I would be in big trouble. You told me, and I didn't listen. And then he starts crying some more. He says, I'm in here for 15 years because I hit a guy and I ran. He says, and now I have to spend this time in my life. The young guy, he was about 22 in here. And, and the resounding story, the, the whole resounding thing of that for me, I didn't listen either. When people were telling me, about Jesus, I didn't listen either. And I thought, Lord, I could see how gracious you were to me. I don't understand it. I could be here in a yellow jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit, without a doubt in my mind. So I think of us all of us somehow, that God saves us for this day. His plans are so much higher than our plans. He saves us for this day. And that's what the amazing thing is. Um, I just like to add this. You know, I, I had this on my heart all day. When we walk, when people walk into a Christian church, especially the lesser than, the least of them, the alcoholics, the drug addicts, the people that have accepted Christ, the people that have backslid, the people that say there's no hope, Satan says, don't even bother with it. You couldn't do it. You can't do it. You, you, got, you know the rules. You have to be a good person. You got to do this. You got to quit smoking. You got to, you got to, and you can't. You're done. You know, when the reality of the boat ride comes in and there's storms, everybody's life has storms. And I've been doing this 50 years with Jesus walking and taking boat rides. But the storms are the things that are the most painful and growing experiences in my life was that the maturity came from the storms and the blessings came from the good times, but the maturity had to come from those storms. So I just want to encourage anybody that's listening, anybody that uh, may not know Jesus, or anybody that has walked away or felt that they couldn't get back, it's not a matter of coming back. It's a matter of just knowing that he has you in their hand. His hand never left you or forsakes you. You're listening to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. We'll be right back after these brief messages. Friends, it's time to rebuild our youth ministry. Romans chapter 10 verses 13 and 14 tells us, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? The youth today are influenced by so many things. 
tools for communication and entertainment are at our fingertips. Phones, iPads, computers, they reach information throughout the world, but much of that information is false. Intriguing? Sure, but false nonetheless. Through their middle school and high school years, kids are learning who they are. They are finding their place in the world. They are finding their truth. But how can they find their truth without knowing the truth? They need a foundation on which to build their life. A vibrant and active youth group provides an opportunity for this age group to learn, understand, and grow in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's create a platform for the youth in this community and beyond to learn about Jesus. The Family Ministries Committee is forming a work group to plan a youth ministry. This work group will identify the goals of the youth ministry and create an action plan for getting it going. And here's a bonus. This is a work group rather than a committee, which means once the plan is created, the work group is dismissed. So no long-term commitment. If you're interested in serving on this work group, please come to a meeting this Sunday, April 18th in the Fellowship Hall. That's the room facing Musser Street that is not the Family Life Center. We look forward to seeing you after service this Sunday, April 18th in Fellowship Hall. Take care and God bless. Welcome back to I've Got a Story to Tell with Dan Skinkus. I'm not perfect. In 50 years, I could not get perfect. But in 50 years, I know that God loved me every day. Every day. Good and bad. That's the awesome part of our Christianity, knowing that we're loved. I've Got a Story to Tell is a podcast of Presbypod, a production of Aunt Betty's Studio, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Carson City.